0: Welcome to Let's Talk Ed and Zahi. Uh, we're talking about a, a fairly grim topic in higher education to, to some extent. And uh, that is colleges and universities across the country that have been closing over the recent years. And the, the sad reality of that is it's, it's a trend that looks like it's probably going to keep going. Well, it seems
1: to have accelerated for that matter. And there have been many stories in local and national closures. And it seems that over the last two years, several dozen uh, such institutions of higher education have closed. Many of them are private for profit, but a number of them are uh, private nonprofit and some others are public. Uh, you and I, uh, before we started recording, rattled off several names that we, we've we heard of, and that's not even scratching the surface of the totality. Uh, what does that do to local populations? We talked uh, a few weeks ago about rural uh, areas and how they're suffering. What does it do to the workforce development? What does it do to any number of uh, um participants in higher education including the local communities where those institutions are and uh, how does it impact them it's it's a big to do and what do we uh, at the same time we're, we're talking about needing uh, training for the workforce and needing to have the most cutting-edge workforce we're seeing fewer of those institutions um, so what's going on there
0: yeah, and, you know, some of these these colleges and universities have been in business for well over 100 years, so these are are not necessarily something that, you know, just came up and it just didn't work out. These are, are institutions in their communities to some extent, and I was just reading an article here not too long ago in USA Today about... Um, It it was a branch of a public university that that got shut down in a community and economically it was devastating to that community because, um, you know, not only did they lose the workforce of the college, but it had this ripple effect of you know, restaurants and and other stores and and grocery stores, things like that, that, you know, were helping serve that college population, suddenly they're not needed anymore. And when they're not needed, they can't survive. So there is this really bad ripple effect uh, in the community. And it's something that you see in these other communities as well. Uh, You you look at some of the uh, private schools, especially. Um, you know, you get these small private liberal arts uh, colleges, and it's not unusual for them to be in smaller communities in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, suddenly someone like that closes down, and, and it's a huge effect on the, on the community, uh, not to mention now you have this whole college campus that's, that's just there and what happens with it.
1: Yes. I mean surely the economic impact is is like you said a bunch of ripple uh effects that are going to push the uh, local economy hard but also I want us to to talk about it uh, from the perspective of we see some of you know you've got in the private for profit you've got an expansion uh, they're growing in many cases uh exponentially uh, over a period of time. And and uh, we're seeing uh, some of the uh, um, private nonprofit and some of the big name selective universities getting inundated with applications, yet the ones that are closing, they're not closing because uh, they don't know what to do with this increased number of students. It's the opposite, is that they don't have enough people coming. And, and the realities in many of those cases is that they're linked, their survival is linked to tuition, tuition remission. And, and uh, you know, it's also our bigger picture of our reliance on Title IV federal financial aid. And also on some schemes that, that were used by some individuals and institutions to m- become rich on the back of taxpayers by using schemes that aren't necessarily the cleanest. So it's it's a it's a big to do and a variety of different satellite concerns and and issues.
0: Yeah, and and over our next couple of episodes, we're going to talk about you know some of our our own ideas as far as how we might address some of these things and you know, obviously the financial part is, is key to the whole thing. Um, you know, it does come down to, to students. It does come down to, you know, how do we make sure that, that we are, are being good stewards of dollars when it comes to, you know, that federal financial aid and, and those sorts of things. And the, the reality is these are are very difficult problems to solve. Uh, there isn't, uh, a magic answer on any of this, uh, per se. But, you know, the the reality too, is your your large state institutions, um, you know, your R1 research based institutions generally don't have any trouble finding students. Uh, They have, you know, a pretty good war chest of dollars that they can go out and and probably outspend anybody in the recruiting process and, and all of that. And, um, you know, advertising is one of the things that, uh, coming from my previous background in, in broadcasting, uh, you would see businesses when they start to struggle. One of the first things that they pull the plug on is advertising. And at the end of the day, that's something that, ultimately hurts them because now you're really getting in in a death spiral in your your business because you you've cut off trying to find new people and i don't think we've got anyone that is quite to the point where they are not advertising but what they may be doing is is shortcutting how they're reaching out to new students um, maybe they're not reaching out to as many new students as they were before and and what that means is their conversion rates when they're talking to prospective students have to go up and up and up and up and up. And uh, that's a very difficult thing when you're talking to a prospective student because they're faced with, with many opportunities and uh, not too often do you have somebody that will consider one school and one school only.
1: So based on what you said, Chris, and, and uh, we've never talked about this, but I, I want to hear your opinion. So do you think the success of some of the private for profits, the tremendous success, I should say, and I, and I congratulate them on it. Is it due to the fact that they are really good at messaging and amount and quality of messaging or, um, do they have a hook? and a story and a, a, a um, proposition that other institutions don't have? Sometimes perhaps are they on the cutting edge while others aren't? How, how do you view it?
0: So, you know, with, with the private for profits, obviously you are absolutely living and dying by getting students in. So you're going to invest heavily in that. Uh, I would say there's a good chance that if you reached out right now to a private for-profit on their website and said, I'm interested in your school in some way, shape or form, you're probably going to have a phone call within probably five to ten minutes uh, of you reaching out to them. Um, You know, at the, the public level, yes, we do those sorts of things, too, where we reach out to people when when they reach out to us, but we aren't as tied into and as dependent on getting students as they are. We have other formulas that that help us with our budgeting. So that's one of the things they do really well. And their advertising is very, very good. They paint excellent pictures um, that I think sometimes, public colleges and universities don't do as good of a job doing.
1: So, uh, yeah, you and I watched a, a frontline documentary a couple of years ago that spoke about some of what you said, but I also read the ProPublica uh, study, I want to say four to five years ago, where they talked about one particular uh, such university where you're, you are going to get a phone call. You are going to get an email. You are going to get somebody that's going to chat live with you, uh, which is all fantastic. But the worry that I have is when you have recruitment, but you don't have something behind it. You don't have the other services that the student needs for her, or his success. You don't necessarily have a differentiated instructional quality and job placements um, so in your mind and i'm not saying that they that they don't offer those that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying that's my fear what do you think we can learn from those places in the public realm uh, as well as private nonprofit, uh, so we can stay relevant now and in the future
0: yeah, and you know, I, I agree with you that yeah, it would be fantastic to be able to you know, have that recruitment side that's huge and then have everything else to back it up. Um and you know, some places probably can do that really well when you have the budget to do that really well. Um but yeah, I mean that that's a big part of it is it, it's never good to not deliver on the promises that you make. And that that is always the risk in in higher ed to in, in the recruiting process because everybody is a little bit different. So what you may need may not be the same thing I want or need. So you know trying to to develop everything is is very important um, you know, as we've talked about many, many times coming up with the right services, coming up with the right kinds of classes. And that's something, you know, as we talk about colleges and university closing, and we are running out of time in this episode. So that's one of the things we're going to talk about, uh, in, in one of our episodes coming up here is how do we as colleges and universities do the right things to remain relevant to our prospective students. So if you enjoy programs like this, be sure and uh, subscribe to us here on YouTube, ring that bell down below. You'll get notifications when we post new content. And of course you can find Let's Talk Ed on all of your favorite podcasting platforms as well. So for Dr. Zahi Atala, I'm Chris Ford. We'll see you next time right here on Let's Talk Ed.